0: This passage this morning in John chapter fourteen is is it was God's good idea to speak this passage uh, because the worship songs that we chose line up with that too, which is pretty cool. I always get excited when you think you've heard from God and then something else happens that confirms it. That's exciting. We kind of know it with faith, but we're just just now going to look at um, John fourteen one through till probably 11 or 14. We'll see how it goes. But it's broken up into three real parts. This first part where Jesus is talking about um, don't don't let your hearts be troubled. This is verse 1, John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. That's it. Have a great week let that rest in your hearts, we're done, not really. Immediately before Jesus says that, he's sitting with his disciples, they've got the the Passover table ready, they're all sitting around it, and when, it, when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, I like to imagine that he had a certain way of saying it, because... Do not be afraid or don't be, do not fear this sort of thing. Don't let your hearts be troubled is something that Jesus said constantly to his, his disciples and probably the people around. I like to think, you know, when he was walking out on the water that time or when he was walking out on the water, they were slaving, trying to get to the other side and he just started walking past them on the water and they freaked out and he said, don't be afraid. It's like, don't, don't worry, that, I would be freaking out at that. I don't blame the disciples. And, and Jesus is just, at the end of John 13, he's literally said, um, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. That would be odd for them because right from the start, that's how he approached them, come and follow me, come and follow me. I will make you fishes of men. Come and follow me. And for years, this group of disciples followed him around. And then he says, where I'm going, you can't follow. What? They did not get this. I don't blame them. And they're starting to worry. They're starting to freak out because he's describing how things are going to go. And it looks bad. They thought they were going to Jerusalem. They're still kind of thinking that he's going to be the king, he is the king, and we're going to rule... Is that better? Okay, sorry. Um, They're still thinking he's going to be the king and we're going to rule with him and we're going to be the kings of the world because he told them effectively that that's going to be the case for them. And now he's saying you can't come. And he's been describing that he's going to die. He's He's been blowing their minds and they are freaking out. And then he says... Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I think that right there is the word for all humanity for all time to come. That's where it comes down to. That's the rubber that hits the road for us in the everyday. It's, it's some, it's, it's not easy being a Christian. Sometimes it's better to be ignorant. Actually, no time is it truly better to be ignorant, but you know what I mean, right? Kirk and I used to laugh sometimes because, and, and nearly cry. It's that weird sort of laugh through gritted teeth. It's like, I know too much to turn my back on this now, but I'd, I'd really like to just, I was going to say cut and go fishing. I don't know if he knows how to fish. I don't know how to fish. That was proved to me last week on Morton Island. I'm no fisherman. Um, but I'd probably, you know, and actually interestingly, Peter, Peter did that, didn't he? after after Jesus was gone Peter said I'm going fishing I'm out don't blame him but Jesus said when they when when constantly he was saying don't be afraid trust me don't freak out trust me read through the gospels you will see it constantly here's this man this this bloke who they're seeing have to go to the toilet they're seeing him get tired They're sitting around. He's just like one of them, but he is the teacher. He's bringing this whole new mind-blowing world of the kingdom of God. But he's just a normal bloke, too. So, in all the times that they, they are worrying and they're freaking out, he just says, Don't be afraid. Trust me. He's putting it all on him. Trust me. Trust me. Don't worry. Trust me. That's what Jesus is saying constantly through the Scriptures, and He says us, to us today, in every day, don't freak out. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's interesting. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, this this comes to the inner fight that we have every given day. Our minds. And our emotions and all of that—you know the trip. You know the trip of just being alive in the world today. And 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 it doesn't matter what we think we know in our minds. Sometimes our feelings make us afraid. Something happens in our first little pucker. It's like oh, you know, it's a little worry. What's what's gonna? You know, we freak out. Jesus says here, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's where we as Christians, and this is what he's saying to his disciples there, it's an invitation really, don't let it happen. You're freaking out, it's okay, it's understandable, you're afraid, I just told you that I'm going and now you can't follow. He's saying, don't let it. How often in every day do we have the opportunity to go, whoa, hang on, okay, I'm feeling the anger rising up here. It's on us whether we let our emotions grab us and take us and our just mouths kick in and we, you know, or we freak out and we jump in the car and we run and we tell the kids, I told you, I told you to stay near me, you know, whatever. So many of our circumstances and every day, we can just let, if we go by our feelings, it's just going to take us away. Jesus is saying to his disciples there, as they start to worry, they're looking at each other and he's talking this weird stuff he's never said before in these necessarily, these words. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, even as I say that, I read something this week where they were talking, it was saying how a lot of preaching these days is just, it's, it's, it's useless preaching, that people are departed from the word of God and they're just bringing so much psychology In our modern culture, there's so much psychology and positive psychology is um, invading church kind of thinking. I actually agree with that. And even as I say that, what I just said, I'm like, hmm, how's your positive psychology going there? Jesus is inviting his disciples to let the mind trump the emotions and go, well, hang on, just remember, who is here in the boat with me right now? I'm talking about when they're on the ocean. Who is here with me right now? Jesus says, "Don't freak out. Trust, trust in God. Trust also in me." <laughs> and then he opens their minds a little bit to understand where where I'm going. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Different interpretations talk about mansions, and we've we've added our little Christendom stuff on that over there. So we talk about. Have you got a nice big gold mansion or am I going to have a little wooden shack? You know, all of that stuff. That's all just BS stuff, all right? You understand? Oh, we're, not, we're not there yet. We know that Jesus has gone and he said he's going away to prepare a place for us. I don't care what that looks like. Really? I, I tend to think, and we, we imagine now, I, I tend to think that mine will mostly be empty, I'll just leave the front door open. People can use it or it will. I just want to be, I'm going to go and hang out. Well, there's not going to be a temple. So I'm just going to be, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, actually, now that I think about it. But I'm just going to be hanging around with the Lord. And, because, and I'll probably be doing in heaven what I like to do here. And that's sitting around with mates, having a few laughs, telling stories, listening to stories. That's my picture of heaven. Um, and I'll be hanging out with people I haven't seen in a long time people that I've read about, but um, now I get to see, you know, heaven's going to be amazing. All that to say, whatever it's mansions or rooms, whatever, uh, they would have understood rooms, just so you know, because the temple, when it was there, when they went up to the temple to do their religious thing, the temple was full of rooms. And if you read through the Bible and you, you look You look at the, the instructions on how to build the temple, you realize they built it with lots and lots of room. So he was using language that they would understand. In my father's house, there are many places for you to abide. And I'm going to prepare that for you. I'm leaving. You can't follow right now. Later on, you will. But I'm going to prepare that for you. And listen, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you that. This is, he's, he's expense. This is what's going to be happening. So this first little bit, John 14, one to four, is is really about faith and hope. I got I realise I've got a lot of different favorite passages in the Bible. This John chapter 13 through to chapter 17 is really my favorite parts of the scripture. But then I think of others and I go, oh no, that's really my favorite. <laughs> I like Ephesians and that. And then um one of one of my other favorites is 1 Corinthians thirteen. Alright. We all love that. We all say it at the weddings. And, and and it all, yeah, love, love's amazing. But have you actually listened to that stuff? Love's tough. Love's got teeth. And right at the end, and without going into love, all right, because I um, it's actually I've discovered that only when things hit the fan, when it all hits the fan and things go bad, then we get to decide, do we really believe in love? Well, now we're going to get tested. And that's why love describes that. So it feels nice because at the wedding everything's good and the food's usually great and everyone's dressed up and that's one aspect of love. But um, then it describes it, but get on to the point. My point is this, at the end of that little 1 Corinthians 13, Paul effectively, he's describing it and then he says, look, at the end of the day, as these three remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest is love. The greatest is love, yes, but let's not forget about the importance of faith and hope. And that's what Jesus is saying in these first couple of verses in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. What? Yeah, what's the next bit? Trust. Trust in God. That's faith. Put your trust in God. Put your faith in God. Put your trust also in me. Notice he says also there. It's really good. This is so powerful, This because this is where we're seeing in this passage. This is where conservative evangelicalism over the years developed the concept of Trinity, because we get to see God as one, but in three three aspects, three people, not just aspects, three people of God, the triune God. So trust in God, trust also in me. Faith. This is what we're going to live by, people. This is what, when he was going around and he was walking around doing his thing, he was constantly having to say to his disciples, I said, trust me, where's your faith? Oh, you of little faith. You remember it's these sorts of reminders, bits of you've read over the time? He was constantly saying to his disciples, you're supposed to trust me. They're, they're thinking they're going to die. These hardened naval seamen are thinking they're going to be die in the storm and he's fast asleep. When they wake him up, he gets annoyed at them. I don't blame him. Who's testy when they're tired? I'm very testy when I'm tired. Am I right, Tori? Tori's often the brunt of my tiredness at home. I'm testy when I'm tired. Jesus just fed 5,000 people or more, probably 10,000 people really. He's tired. So whatever the enemy does. You know, if the enemy wants to kick up a storm, Jesus like, whatever. I'm sleeping, man. Disciples are freaking out. Jesus he wakes him up. He's like, why the, what? Why the face, guys? Like they would have had a scared face. Jesus says, why the face? What's going, what's your problem? Where is your faith? Where is your faith, guys? I'm here, Jesus says. I'm right here. All of heaven, the whole purposes of God, everything that's ever existed, literally, he is the Lord of all breath and matter. Think about that. He's the Lord of breath and matter. Everything that does exist, everything and everyone that did exist, everything that will exist in the future, all breath and matter exists through him. It exists by him. It exists for him. Everything belongs to him so that in him, God was pleased to put everything under him so that in him he would have supremacy over all things. And Jesus knows this about himself. He understands who he is. His identity is safe and secure in him. Could you just press close, end, call? So in his secure identity, he says to his disciples, you need to trust me. And we're going to read a bit later. or oh, There's a part where he says, right at the end, look at that. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me, last line, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles or the works themselves. He's like, if if you're not hearing and you're not grasping what my words are saying, remember, guys, this is happening right at the very end of their time together. Think back. Remember all of the stuff that we've been doing, that you've been doing. Remember, you guys went out. You guys went out in teams and prayed for people and you saw demons cast out. You saw, this is what Jesus is saying. Remember the miracles that even came through your hands. Remember that lady who just touched my cloak and she was healed. Remember that guy? Remember that bloke who they dug a hole in the ceiling and they laid, they lowered the lame guy down and um, I told him his sins are forgiven and to prove it that I have the power because I'm the man, I'm the king and to prove it. I told him to get up and walk, and he walked. Remember that, fellas? That's what he's saying to us. That's what he's saying to them. Trust God. Trust in me. Jesus right here, rightly so, is making himself the center point of all of their understanding. The center point, so that when they go out, they're thinking Jesus. It's all about him. Is he egocentric on this? at this point yeah because and that, he's the only one who really has is free to and is right to or it's healthy to because why when god said let there be light when god spoke and there was it's through jesus it's the sun the sun is the expression of the invisible god we 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 if we take time and rest and really put our minds to the enormity of what it means for spirit to take on flesh, for the eternalness, the eternity to, to become a human being. It is enormous. And he's right there with him. And he says, Trust the Father, trust in God, trust in me. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to do this for you. All right? And then I'm going to come back. If I go and prepare a place for you, and I just told him that he is, and a place for us, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. It's a promise. If I go, he tells them I am going, and if I go, I'm coming back for you. So we have the faith, now we have the hope. He's giving them a picture. Those guys would have had a bit of a picture, though the temple was, you know, made by human hands, they had something to grasp in terms of what he was doing, what he was preparing for them. And I'm going to take, come back and I will take you to be with me. Here's their hope. And this is the invitation for hope for all of us who would follow Jesus, who would trust in God and trust also in Jesus. It's this hope of heaven. And not just the place of heaven, but everything that heaven is that he is going to take. So this is our trust. This is his, this is his trust in God. His complete faith in the Father to carry through what was the original plan way back in the beginning. We're going to do this. The Father and I are carrying this out and he's he's expanding it to the disciples, and he says, because they wrote it down, this is John, this is like John was Jesus, you know, rumored to be like Jesus' best friend. John writes this, the reason we can write this is because John was so taken by the power of what God had done in his life, that he said, I'm going to write this down. And in his letter, in his story of this, he says, the reason I'm, I'm writing this, there was so much more that could have been written, but I'm writing this so that you who read it Can believe in Christ and so that you can have life in His name. Faith and hope, you know the way to the place where I am going. It's a great little question, statement. Because no, they don't. (laughs) It's an invitation. He winds them in, right? You know where I'm going. Pass me an olive. Get some of the bread, yeah. And they're, they're, I think I can imagine the disciples just sitting there bewildered. And then who is it? Thomas says, remember Thomas, we know the story of Thomas later on, but Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know how to get there? <clears throat> Ding! This is perfect kind of teaching 101. He's invited, I'm not very good at this, but Jesus invites the need to come to the surface and then for it to be expressed. The hearts of the person are, oh, hang on a minute, I don't know this. We see this in classrooms all the time. You see people, you make a statement or whatever, you know the students don't get it, but kids these days, they're too afraid to put their hand up and say, I don't get it. But that's the whole point. If we don't understand something, then, you know, you hear that thing, there's no stupid questions, only stupid what, is it? I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a saying. There's a, What is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's not get hooked on that. <laughs> Great. Now everyone's going to be thinking about that. Thomas asks the obvious question which shows that they're engaged. God, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know the way? And listen to this. I'm going to read it slowly. You can read it looking up there on your Bibles. He answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How do we get there? Me. Elsewhere Jesus says, I'm the gate for the sheep. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He gets in other ways, but I am the gatekeeper. I am the gate. No one gets at the sheep. No one gets at the sheep but through me. I'm the good shepherd. These are I am statements. These are statements of identity that Jesus is speaking in his understanding of himself. He's saying these statements over and again so that people can feel confident to put their faith and trust in him, which goes beyond one Sunday when we're feeling emotional and feeling good enough to we've sung a worship song and we're like, yes, Jesus, I'm all for you, but where it really counts is in the day-in, day-out stuff when things don't go the way we'd like them to go when we're confused when we're uncertain about the future when something hap- someone else cuts us off in traffic or someone else you know makes a decision that we're going to lose our job or whatever these are the times when our faith means something or not these are the times when our minds have to rise up above our emotions and take control because we remember and we make a choice a, a mental choice to say no I will trust in Jesus. I will trust God for a solution here. This is the the stuff of life going on right now because he says, me, I am the way. It's a little scary to be putting your faith in a person. It's even tough for children. But I find myself saying, just trust me. Do, Do what I say. You might not like... What you think you see in the things that I'm saying, but you have to trust me. I keep having to say to my boy, "I'm the boss." Why do I have to do that? I'm the boss. You might have seen this morning. Come here to me, boy. Uh, Nah, I'm going to walk over here and just sit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. That's okay. He's grown up. I'm still the boss doesn't work so well with my (laughs) 16-year-old. Jesus is saying, I'm the centerpiece of your life. I'm the way that you get there and I'm the one you trust in. I am the man for you. I am the solution for you. Trust God. Trust also in me. I'm going to do this. You can trust me because I'm telling you I'm going to do it. No one else can touch me. No one else can stop me. Cause I'm the man, Jesus is saying. No one can, can, no one can trick up my will. No one gets to trump my will, Jesus is saying. When it all turns to bad, when it all goes bad for us, it's, Jesus is going, I'm asleep in the boat. Cause Everything's so okay. I can sleep, and if I can sleep, you can sleep. Don't freak out. And we can have the worst circumstances come upon us in our life. I'm not, I know, I know some of the stuff that we have to deal with, but I can, Jesus is speaking with authority when he says we can trust him. And life might not play out the way, the way we want it to. It's probably not we're in a fight we're in a battle a spiritual war it's raging all around us and even the fact even those that are ignorant and completely don't know anything about god life doesn't go great for them either does it it's just the nature of our world that things go badly there's not a not the devil trying to ruin us all the time sometimes it's just plain life and we can, we can easily sort of take a look and go, Oh, what's the enemy doing here? And that sort of thing. Yeah. But Jesus isn't worried. The storm's flying on. He doesn't, he just gets up in the boat and says, Be quiet. Shut up. Now leave me alone and go back to sleep. Get us to the other side. I don't know what he actually said, but it was like that. Cause later on he says, These things and greater you'll be doing. Yeah, I remember Kirk's told this story here, but I remember a time when he actually went and told a storm to shut up and go away, and it did. Did he tell that story? Do you remember that story? Very quick, Kirk was leading a wedding up the coast, and um, I think it was an outdoor wedding maybe. Maybe there's some poetic license I just threw in there, but maybe it was anyway the storm clouds were really building And people were starting to worry, and Kirk tells the story that he just went out and just quietly went, basically, stop it, get lost, and then carried on. And the place just fined up. Because there's, there, in that moment, Kirk was choosing to act out of his secure identity in Christ. And he's trusting by faith the things that God had said, these things that I've been doing and greater you will do. So what Kirk did was really just typical of what we do. Like that, so faith and hope are established, and then Jesus is talking about access. Now, I don't know if you remember. You remember Darren Lockyer playing for the Broncos? I was at his last couple of games, right? And and I can't even remember the result. We we won against St George, and then we and then we had another one where he got his cheekbone cheekbone broken. Remember that? Anyway, that's beside the point. What matters is this is because it was such a big big time and a big event and the Suncorp Stadium was packed out, we all knew it was going to happen that afterwards we're all going to get to go out on the field. It was really exciting. You're sitting in the stands all the time and now at the end of this game we're going to get to go out onto Suncorp Stadium, which is pretty amazing if you ever get the chance, by the way. It's one thing to sit in the stands and look in, but it's another thing to stand in the middle and look around and look up at the lights and go, whoa. I don't know how these guys do this. But anyway, so the full-time whistle went, the game was over, and all the security guards are standing around. And um, at the right time, it was opened up and we could run out onto the field. And, you know, blokes are tackling each other and kicking footy. Like, it's just, it's bedlam, but it's hilarious and it's fun. Same thing happened a few weeks ago when we went down to Cronulla. We went to the Cronulla game and they lost, which was excellent, and um, and we got to go out onto the field afterwards. And it's like this massive type. People just run riot, particularly little kids. They're just running free, running around, playing tiggy, chasing. Old, older blokes, like well, not like me, because I was running around tackling my mates. But but others, you know, you sort of go down. You look around, and people are talking about it's freedom. You just get to walk around out on the field. You're completely banned from that. If at any other time, or even if five minutes before, you jumped the fence and went out, that's a $5,000 fine. If you're going to pay a price. You, you, you will be punished. There are consequences for your choice to jump the gun or to climb the fence. But at these one times, they open up the gate and you have free access. And after that, you come through the gate, you just run around. It's awesome fun. It's just great. And there are no rules. The only rules are just the social things of, you know, don't grab people by the hair and don't punch strangers. But you can punch your mates because you're all just going crazy. <laughs> it's funny. It's a great picture of what Jesus is talking about, I reckon. Because I asked, can I have a picture? And that's the story that came to my mind. So I'm like, thanks, God. But I remember at the at the um, Cronulla game particularly... People were getting like fed up. It's like, the players are gone. Come on. Can we get out there? And I saw, I saw a couple of guys get up on the fence and start to step over. And the security guy's like, ah, nah, get back. You got to go around over there and come through the gate. Now we're talking thousands of people. And at Suncourt, we're talking tens of thousands of people. But the only way you can access that field is through one of those little cyclone gates. So we've got, we've got this. Massive funnel of people filling the stands and they all come down to this one little point of this, you know those gates? They're like this wide. And it's funny because people are so there's no like, oh you first mate, no, after you kind sir. It's just it's just like jammed through to get, but everyone has to come through that gate. Otherwise you you're breaking the rules and you're gonna get in trouble. There's only one way that you can access that field of dreams. There's only one way that you can go out there and stand on the 22 and go, this is where he went up for that mark and he brought it, you know? You can go and stand in that spot and have a ball, but there's only one way to get to that, and that is through that little gate. And Jesus said to the people, I am the way. There is no other way to get to the Father. None. None. And there's no way to get to the Father in three years' time when you've been following me for a while and you think you've got it together and so you go back to your religious ways. That doesn't make you get to the Father any better. When you wake up and you feel like the day is good and so you kind of drift from your faith in me and you think you've got, I've got this God and you go about your work, go ahead. But there's no, if, if you want to have connection with God, it has to come through me. I am the way. Earlier, he said, I am the gate. And Jesus is here saying, it's about access. How do we access God? How do we, how do we do the miracles? How do we live by faith? How do we do it? Jesus stands there front and center all alone and says, through me. It's not by the fact that it's not by the cool new revelation that you got and that, or the, not by the word of prophecy that someone gave you three years ago. This doesn't get you to God. It's be it's through me. Jesus is going to unpack that, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more shortly. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to be deceived, if you wouldn't want to live a life of delusion, of deception, if you want to live a life pursuing some end that is not set up for you, you go ahead. Gee, it's all invitational. Go ahead. Go ahead and conquer the world and then discover later that that's not what you were designed for. I am the truth. Follow the lies. Our world is full of men and women travelling around. I shouldn't say it's full. It's really not. But there are many people who are, and the Bible says in the last days, actually, there are going to be heretics, there are going to be teachers who people follow after these heretical teachings. There are men and women in the world today going around filling conference halls and that to talk about God and it's all BS, it's all garbage because it doesn't set Christ number one front and centre. It's a new way of thinking. A lot of psychological stuff which can be really helpful but there can be the deception because if the faith goes into those sorts of things, let me say that again, it can be really helpful to understand how to arrest our thoughts. But really the Bible says... Take your thoughts captive. These things can be helpful to get us through life, to do well and improve ourselves, but they don't allow us to come into our full sense of identity of who we truly are. And I believe that, or about this next part, is the question of today, specifically today, but of generations past. And it's the issue of identity. Jesus says, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am life." And the world is jam-packed full of people who are physically alive, emotionally conscious and all of that, but their spirits are are just... There's a death there. There's a non-life there. Because Jesus alone is that. Because from him, through him and to him are all things. To him and him alone be the glory forever and ever, both in the times past, and in the time to come. Jesus stands there, and that's what he's saying to his disciples. They only ask for what is the way. We don't know the way. He gave them an extra bit. I am also the truth. I am life. I am, I am, I am. The centrepiece of all that you could ever know, understand, imagine. The fact that you breathe, your heart works, it all works because I designed it that way. Are you feeling the weight of this? We get pretty busy We get pretty busy and start to lose connection with this. This is why it's good to take time sometimes, even if it's just for a walk, just to remember who he is. Colossians 2 is gold for that. Again, he threw out the hook. No one gets to the Father. And Philip says, well, show us the Father. That'll do us. Like they're done. They're trying to understand. They can't understand. If you show us the Father, that'll be enough for me. And Jesus is almost exasperated. He goes, don't you know me? Don't you know me? And now here comes the mind spin. This is the thing that messes people up in our minds, but that's because this is where our mind and faith and all that all come into this mix of deciding about trust. But Jesus says this in verse uh, 9. Don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here's a new way. Previously, if anyone saw God, what happened? They died. Such was the power of his glory. When Moses asked to see God, God hid him in the cleft in the rock and and Moses got to see the back of God. I don't know, don't ask me about the ins and outs of that. That's pretty big. But Jesus right there just went, if you've seen anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Not the three who went up on the mountainside and saw him transfigured in front of them, anybody. That's new to them. They want to see God, you're looking at him. This is a massive, massive claim. This is a massive claim to anyone on our planet today. Those demonic principalities and presences that have ruled the world in those times are still around today. And they exist in teachings, in, in her- heresies, in all these little tricky little things to drag us away, to take our focal points from Jesus being front and centre. There is no other way and there is no other truth. There is no other way of life except through him. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you possibly say, show us the Father? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And when you come to be with me, you will be in me. These aren't my words. This is the Father living in me who is doing the work. He's doing it through me because He is in me. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or be- at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Now, I'm not getting into the next from verse 15 because we're going to wrap it up where he talks about the Holy Spirit. You can ask for me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus, in this passage... He's talked about the trust in me. He's talked about the fact that he alone is our access point to God. You come to God through me. And in fact, really, when you come to me, you come to God. This is his identity. And he is only hours later about to fulfill their understanding. He's been telling them about it. He's told them that he's going to die. They're eating the Passover. And in a few minutes, he's going to break that bread and he's going to pass it around, and he's going to really mess with their heads again. Those guys were spinning. I don't blame them for being fast asleep in the garden later on. They had had enough. But he breaks the bread, and he passes it around. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And he gives them the drink. You know it. This is what we just did today. This is a statement of identity. This is a statement of identity. It's a practice. It's a ritual of identity. Jesus said, do it whenever you meet together. Constantly remind yourselves of who you are. That's why, we do, that's why he said communion. That's why he reshaped. There's so many layers of meaning in that Passover supper, that Passover dinner. There are so many layers of meaning. But Jesus is explaining to the disciples who they are, who he is. And he is showing us who we are. That's what you were talking about, that teaching. This is it. We are of God. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. That song that we sang, that was a gift from God. You know, in my Father's house there are many rooms. This is the scripture that Jesus is for us today. So folks, listen up. This Sunday, the 7th of October, we've gathered together to listen to what God has to say to us. And he will say it and keep saying it because he's been saying it for centuries. But let's grasp this. Let's grasp it and embed it into our very souls so that we can be people of true freedom in the world today. And there is a serious lack of that. But we have the opportunity. And the onus is on us because we know the gospel. We know the good news of Jesus. Everyone will know that you're my disciples, not because of how well you can tell the gospel, but we should be good at that. Everyone will know that you're disciples, not you're my disciples, not just because you've got a great of own story of faith or you saw miracles, not because of that. though that is good, that's what God gives us so we can by the way that we love one another, our treatment of each other, our understanding of who we are, Nick said that at the conference there was all these great stories of people reconciling, relationship with one another. You remember that? This is what happens when Christians come into that understanding or they stand, they can grab their mind and they go, remember who I am, therefore remember who my brother is, this person who I don't like. I don't like what they said about me. I don't like what I heard they said about me. We can be so fickle. And the things that divide us. We can be so simple in the way that we get upset and hold on to grudges. Some of the stuff that we hold on to is absolutely phenomenal. How childish and silly that is. And how we hold on to it and we take it, take that in us and it causes cancer in us. People lose their lives to cancer because they haven't forgiven people. That literally happens. People's lives are so bound up. Some of us, our lives are so bound up. Some of the things we're going to read that we've had words of knowledge on are physiological problems that have a spiritual solution. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am truth. I am life. Find your identity in me. Here is the new way. Here's my body. Whenever you meet, break the bread. Drink it. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You look like everyone else. Well, not really. Do you know what I mean? Thank God. We, we have the same stuff going on in our world. But we are not of this world. Why? Because the king, the one who is the center, is sitting up there now. Jesus is in another place. He's not here now. He's by his spirit. He is here. But Jesus, the man, is somewhere else. He is out there, wherever there is, in there. I don't get it but he's in heaven where people I know and love are somehow there too. I don't get it, but I believe it. And he's waiting for the right time to come back and bring completion to this. This is going to be set aside, this. There's going to be a day, the day is coming when we all sit around the table and we have a massive old feast and we we see the culmination of this, this new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. Then he went to the cross, his body broken, his blood poured out so that for the generations and the centuries to come, people had this understanding of the life is in the blood, he pours out his blood upon us so that people can have power over principalities, dominions and authorities by the what? The pure blood of Christ. There is so much. I have to stop talking because... It's got to be getting boring by now. <laughs> but, but there is so many levels of power in this. The new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so that anything you ask in my name, it's like you are in me. So when you ask in my name, so it will be. Now, the, I'm, leave, I'm not going to try and pair into why this and why that and why not this and why not that. I, I, that's another time. But for this time, for right now, I pray that, that, well, I know that the Holy Spirit is here and so we're just going to mess ourselves up a little bit here because I'm looking at faces and I'm looking, you know, I'm like, yeah, all right, what's coming for lunch? I feel like I'm already there. Let's get home and watch Bathurst or something. can see it going on, but we're not there yet. So let's do now what we are here for. Let's give ourselves the opportunity to actually put our feet, our minds, let's bring ourselves, our beings into line with what God wants to do this morning and what he is doing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been speaking to us. And I don't know what exactly you've been saying, but you have been saying it, and we know it. I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful to your word, you're faithful to your promise, and you've been doing it. Thank you for what you've been doing this morning. Um, Gail, would you mind coming and just playing that song, please? Yeah, just play it. You could sing it too, because you have a nice voice. And if you just, yep, yes, do whatever you need to do. But that's really nice because that's the that's the song that goes with this scripture and this mo this day today. Is <laughs> Is um, this reminder of who we are and where Jesus is right now and who Jesus is. I'd like to invite you to sit quietly and just reflect a little on what's been what's been what God has been saying to you today, to us, but specifically to you. And there's time for response now. And by responding, it's an opportunity to stand up and come out the front. By doing that, there's an invitation to, to receive the love from others. There are others here who are ready to be the hands and feet to do what Jesus did, to act on by faith what he said that he would do if you ask anything in my name. There are others for that, but there are some of us who are here today and need to respond to what God is saying. This realignment of understanding of who we are Maybe it's about having to just act by faith again. I've been stepping out you know, in my own kind of thinking and wisdom and I want to come and realign with the fact that Jesus is the way to knowing God. Maybe you've been reading some really good sounding stuff but it's a load of garbage and you want to come back into line with the word of God, that Jesus is the word. He is truth. And there are others who might have some physical ailments that um, we had words about this morning. And so if any of these are for you, then please come out the front and be available for others to come and pray with you that we can do what the communion describes to us of meeting together, of blessing together and of remembering who we are.